You know, my mama used to say, boy, you better be careful of that government debt. It's never a good thing. They're going to make you wait on your money, but they're going to come get theirs. So just be careful. Make sure that whatever you're getting is worth what you're paying for it. And you know what, mama? I ain't got no government debt, so I guess I listen. Hmm. Lessons from the screen. So today we're going to be getting back to the Lift Every Voice plan from Joe Biden with three points of education again in our crosshairs. We're going to be looking at the sections that are covering the African-American student debt crisis, the college completion goals that he has for increasing the amount of people, amount of African-American people that are completing college. And he says he's going to invest $70 billion in HBCUs and MSIs, minority serving institutions, that will train our next generation of African-American professionals. But before that, we got some housekeeping to do, y'all. So let's clean mother stuffing house. Yeah, 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 yeah. So welcome to Lessons from the Screen. This is the show where we give you a review of whether or not any particular information that you can get from any particular screen of any particular kind is worth your time. We waste our time, our energy, and our brain power so that you don't have to. You are always welcome. Lessons from the Screen is sponsored by Pax Inc., a black activist advocacy and think tank organization with the purpose of increasing the quality of life for black people in America through education, a culture shift, and economics. And you can and definitely should go and check them out at www.pactsinc.org. That is paxinc.org where you can check out the learning center leave a review leave a leave a leave a comment on a book that you've read tell a friend to tell a friend volunteer do whatever you can to help them because you know the deal they're doing everything that they can to help you and i say that at the start of every show i'm hoping that at some point you know what i don't know what i'm hoping for because i'm always going to say that at the start of every show but you should make sure that every single time you visit amazon to shop that you use the Amazon Smile link and you have Paxing selected as your nonprofit so that when you're purchasing your things, they get some money sent their way so that they can do their things to help you purchase more things. So moving forward, we are going to get into the Joe Biden Lift Every Voice plan. So the very first thing we're going to address here is the address of the African-American student debt crisis. Now in this section, the report starts by acknowledging the fact that student debt has a disproportionate impact on black people and it points out that the average debt for a bachelor's graduate is about $16,000 for white graduates and $23,000 for black graduates. Now this is backed by a link to a Brookings Institute report published in October of 2016 and that report detailed the black-white disparity in student loan debt with an interesting focus not just on the debt itself but on the interest accrued on the debt years after graduation which results in ballooning debt for black people. Twice as much debt is held by black people than white people after four years based on the interest of the student loan debts with blacks on average having $53,000 in debt. So it then linked to another Brookings Institute article from January of 2018. And the focus of that article was itself based on a report from the Department of Education in October of 2017, which that report was a long-term study of student behavior. So we have a report based on a report, based on a study. The big notable from the report is that black 
bachelor's graduates default five times more than white bachelor's graduates at 21% for blacks and 4% for whites. And this speaks to a number of issues, namely the one that was mentioned earlier in this series that showcases that black college graduates are often still underemployed if employed at all. After citing these two pieces, the report highlights the findings from these pieces and pulls together the totality of the problem they are attempting to address, that black students are experiencing a student debt crisis that is disproportionately bad. The report gave six things that Biden plans to do to fix this problem. So the first thing is he wants to include an immediate cancellation of $10,000 of federal student loan debt in the COVID-19 response bill. And this is in the works right now in the billion dollar package that they are negotiating, trying to push through. And we'll see if it stays in and when and if the bill gets passed, what it looks like. It would have a measurable impact, but seeing as how the average black graduate is over $50,000 in debt and the average white graduate is over $20,000 in debt, it's going to have a much more dramatic impact on the white community and as such should not be included as a talking point for a black program because it's going to erase half of their debt while only erasing a fifth of ours. So, point two. He wants to forgive all undergraduate tuition related federal student debt from two to four year public colleges for those making up to 125K. And this is to apply to individuals holding federal student loans for tuition from public and private HBCUs and MSIs. Now this would be big if it happens. Um, and while it isn't a black specific thing, it is something that would have a major impact on the black community. But this would also be potentially huge for white people if white women and LGBT members are considered minorities for the purpose of this law. So again, this is something that's big for black people, could be big for black people, depending on how it rolled out, what it looks like and what it actually does. But it's, 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 it's in that range of something that this again is a plan specifically for black people in america and this point is not a point designed to deal with the challenges that black people face with regards to student debt um this would help more non-black people than black people we got to be honest about it let's call the spade a spade if you're going to create and I'm, i've been saying this over and over and over again if you're going to create a plan for black america right that plan has to have things in it that are specific to the community that you're trying to help. You can't have this thing where it's just a blanket approach because then other people benefit more than we do, which makes the gap even bigger. So point three, he also wants to forgive loan payments for individuals making $25,000 or less and capping loan payments at 5% of discretionary income for those making more. Now, this is a thing that I like. And anybody that graduates college and is making $25K a year or less should have some recourse because something clearly is wrong. We're not going to get into all of that, but something is clearly wrong if you graduated from school, got a job in your field and are making $25,000 or less. But even if you graduated from school and could not get a job in your field, but ended up taking a job at $25,000 or less, that is a failure based on the promises that are given to college graduates. That is a failure. So one of the things that's interesting about this though, is from, from, because one of the things that's interesting, one of the things that's interesting about this though, is that 
This isn't a forgiving of the debt itself. It's basically stopping the payments and capping the payments to 5% of discretionary income for those making more. Now, it will also be interesting to see if this passes how discretionary income is determined. But this isn't something that's specific for black people, like I've been saying over and over again. So it shouldn't be in a plan for black America. But by and large, I do like it. Point four, he wants to fix the public service loan forgiveness program and forgive $10,000 in student debt for every year of national or community service for up to five years. So the public service loan forgiveness program is a program that was created under the College Cost Reduction and Access Act of 2007 as a way to help professionals get out from under their debt burden by working in public service. So it basically allows people that work for qualified employers to have their direct debt forgiven if they make $120. 20 qualifying monthly payments now this program is truly broken so a fix for it could be significant now you you are talking about up to five years 10k so at max fifty thousand dollars a year so that would wipe out the average white student loan or the white student debt direct debt from the government and it would also wipe out well, it would leave a little bit left in the tank for the average black person. Direct debt from the government. We do know that people get more than direct debts from the government. They get um, they acquire loans and, and, and other resources from private financial institutions, public financial institutions, as well as the government. But as far as erasing that direct debt is helpful. I do. It is another one of those things that benefits other people more than it benefits black people. But the fact that black people are overrepresented in government work means that black people will seize significant benefits if they fix it. Now, the problem, like I said before, is it's broken. So in 2019, the Government Accountability Office released a report that 99% of loan forgiveness requests under the program were rejected. Out of the 54,000 requests, only 661 were approved, and the program had only spent 27 million of the 700 million dollars set aside. So, that being said, like I said earlier, this isn't a black fix, it's a general fix, but it's a potentially huge fix if they fix the fix. Because right now, the fix is broken, right now, the fix is in for the fix. So they got work to do on that. And we will see uh, March of this year, March of 2021, this program came into the spotlight again for being broken. And we're going to see if, if it gets fixed. But moving forward to number five, uh, he says he's going to crack down on private lenders profiteering off students by empowering the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau to take action against lenders that mislead and take advantage of students and do not provide an affordable payment plan when people are experiencing financial hardships. Now, we talked about the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau before, and it was heavily weakened by the Trump administration, who I'm sure would have destroyed it if it could have been easily done with very little backlash. But boosting this does help consumers, and Black people are consumers, and, and any student going to school is a consumer of the educational services provided by that college or university. But again, this is not specific to Black people. Non-Black people would, again, benefit more from this than Black people would, but that's pretty much true for all of these points. So I am going to sound like a broken record in this instance, but beefing up or giving teeth to the Consumer Finance Protection Agency or the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau 
has larger implications for black people around the world or for black people in America, I'm sorry, with regards to dealing with predatory lending and fight the types of financial challenges that we deal with. So that's something that even if there isn't anything in what may or may not come down the pipe for uh, student debt and black people in college, it is something that could benefit black people overall, again, depending on how it's rolled out. And point six is permitting the discharge of student loans and bankruptcy. Now, this is another point that isn't for black people and will benefit other people more than black people. I told you I was going to be a broken record and I'm going to be a broken record. Most black people that need to file for bankruptcy don't have the resources to file for bankruptcy in general. Now, according to debt.org, on average, bankruptcy costs between $1,500 and $4,000. Roughly 12% of bankruptcy filings are filed by black people and more than 70% percent of white people file for bankruptcy are are those that file for bankruptcy not file for bankruptcy beyond that more than half of these filings for bankruptcy have not completed a college degree and roughly 45 percent have never even gone to college so this effectively does nothing in mass to help black people with their student debt a good half of the people that have that are filing for bankruptcy are not going to school and more than half of the people that are filing for bankruptcy have not completed a degree program so the income just might not be there to file for bankruptcy and i say that based on personal experience i know several people that would love to file for bankruptcy but they don't have the resources available to file for bankruptcy so they're trying to walk through the process and figure it out figure it out themselves but it's a complicated process for them so there are a lot of barriers to that to the bankruptcy process in general which kind of prevents this from even being something worth mentioning. So point six should just be stricken off the board altogether because it, it looks like it's one of those points. That's a point being made for the sake of making the document seem longer versus a point being made because there's actual substance and power behind it. But in total here, we got some things that could be significant, but not a lot of specifics tailored to the black community. So. With this particular point, I give it a C. Moving on to point two of the three points that we're going to be addressing today. He says he's going to increase college completion by making college affordable for African-American students. Now, in this section, he draws attention to the fact that 64% of white students graduate while 40% of black students graduate. And this is based on a report from February of 2019 from the National Center for Education Statistics. And this report details that basically black people have the lowest graduation rates of all ethnic groups in america with the only group close being the american indian or the alaskan native native americans so i'm gonna go off script for a moment here because right now there is an issue that we've had for a number of years regarding this this discussion that black women are the most educated group in America. And that is problematic because the fact of the matter is that the original stat that that came from was based off enrollment numbers, admittance numbers. Black women percentage-wise were getting accepted and enrolling into college at higher numbers than any other demographic. They are not completing college at higher rates. And 
So in order to be the most educated based on the criteria we were using to create that label, more black women are getting degrees than anybody else. That's not true. And so now we have this problem where we need to have a discussion because a lot of black women are going to college, but not a lot of them are finishing. And we need to figure out why that is, because obviously the potential is there for for black women to be the most college educated group in the world. And we're not getting into the, the, the deeper philosophical questions about whether or not going to college actually makes you educated or anything like that. Because the argument is not based on that. The argument is based on the fact that black women go to college more than anybody else. So black women have the potential to achieve more degrees than anybody else in the country, but they're not doing it. And we can't have a conversation to figure out why to address the issues because everybody's running with the narrative that black women are the most educated group in America, which is based on a misunderstanding of a statistic. So we got to do better about that and we got to make sure that we're digging into the stats but allow me to get back on topic i just i had to say that because that's the, that and I, off topic again because we have a situation here that is a situation that we could wholly tackle and take care of if we would stop running with the false narrative that there is no problem at all there absolutely is a problem when you represent most of the people getting enrolled into college but don't represent the, the people attaining the most degrees. There is a problem there. We gotta figure that out. But in any case, entertainment race is what we should be looking at. But, but in any case, Biden says he will fix this by making public colleges and universities tuition free for all students whose family incomes are below $125,000 not black specific point two providing two years community college or high quality training programs without debt and there simply isn't enough information here to make any kind of statement we don't know how we don't know who the target is we don't know what the qualifications are or any essential piece of information outside of it's in the plan is something he wants to do so again this very well with going off what we've seen so far this very well could be a just another point that's going to benefit more non-black people than it's going to benefit black people finally he wants to double the value of pell grant and he cites a department of education report from september of 2019 that looked at trends and characteristics in pell grant recipients and he points out that nearly 60 percent of black people that are undergrads receive pell grants during the 2015-2016 academic year i got pell grants too they do help out he also says that he will restore pell grant eligibility for former formerly incarcerated individuals now increasing the pell grant will benefit black people but it will also benefit non-black people more general issues should not be like yeah uh, the same can be said for restoring eligibility to formerly incarcerated individuals because he can only directly do that on a federal level. If he wants states to do that, he has to incentivize them and hope that they'll come through. And most of the black people, as we've talked about in other shows, are incarcerated or were incarcerated on a state level, not on a federal level. Most of the inmates on a, in federal prisons are white inmates, white collar crime. So, uh, yeah, if he can get the states to buy in 
and do this that would be huge it would definitely be huge for black people because Pell Grants do help out, especially if he does it in conjunction with doubling the amount of Pell Grants. Now, he's been in office for a while now, and we, we really haven't heard anything about these points, but hey, it is what it is. Now, as of as a whole, this is more the same, and I still give this a C like I gave the last one a C. It could be significant depending on how it works out, but the way it looks right now, it looks like it's something that's going to be more beneficial to non-black people than black people, which, again, is going to continue the same status quo of black people lagging behind. Now, the final point we're going to go over is he says he's going to invest 70 billion in HBCUs and MSIs that will train our next generation of African-American professionals. Now, he starts this section by pointing out how HBCUs are the key to educating the next generation of black leaders. And he speaks to the fact that 10 percent of black students being are enrolled in HBCUs, while HBCUs also account for 20 percent of the bachelor's degrees awarded according to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. And these numbers are also with respect to the fact that less than 5% of all the colleges and universities in America are HBCUs. So they are definitely punching well below, well above their, their pay grade if they're less than 5% of all of the colleges and universities. But they have 10% of all black students enrolled in them and they represent 20% of all black college degrees. And there's a lot to get into with how those numbers actually shake down. But that is another show as something I'm gonna say repeatedly in this section, because HBCUs needs its own show. He goes on to point out that 40% of black engineers and 80% of black judges are HBCU graduates. And he points out that these colleges are not getting the resources they need and that the typical HBCU endowment is one eighth the average size of a PWI's predominantly white institution, which is another stat from the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. All of these stats come from the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. He then goes on to talk about what he will do to make sure that HBCUs get more resources. Now, the first thing he says is he will invest 18 billion in grants to HBCUs and MSIs to make HBCUs more affordable to their students. Now, there is a statement about making it so that schools must invest in lowering costs, improving retention and graduation rates and closing equity gaps for students of color in order to get the grants, or at least that's what I'm assuming. But number two, he says that he will reduce the disparities in fundings for HBCUs and MSIs which is essentially what this entire section is about. So this is another point just to make the sheet longer. He says he will invest $10 billion to create at least 200 new centers of excellence that serve as research incubators to connect students to underrepresented fields critical to the nation's future. But he doesn't specify if these centers will be specific to HBCUs or not. So yeah. And then he goes on to say that high-tech labs and facilities will be built for learning and research at HBCUs and MSIs, but he doesn't mention how these labs or facilities will be built, where the resources will come from. I'm assuming they're gonna come from the 70 billion. We'll see. And finally, he says he will invest 5 billion in graduate programs in teaching, healthcare, and STEM, while also developing robust internship and career pipelines at major research agencies 
but makes no mention of whether these programs will be specific to HBCUs or not, nor how they will be regulated and managed to the benefit of the black community. Because again, <laughs> this is his plan for black America. Now, one thing about this point in particular is, and in general, is that we're talking about HBCUs. Because a lot of this stuff that he's talking about with regards to blacks in education focuses on HBCUs. And we have to keep in mind the fact that HBCUs are shifting their focus away from the black community at an ever increasing rate. And black people in the community are shifting their focus away from HBCUs. Non-black people make up 25% of all HBCU attendees. And that number has been rising over the years and will go up even more rapidly. Now the HBCUs feel like they have to go for non-black students to survive and feeling like a diverse campus better prepares their students for the real world despite evidence to the contrary. So in, in, in this very report from Joe Biden, earlier up, we saw evidence that homogenous environments are best for positive outcomes with regards to education. Black students, learn better from black teachers. They learn better when they're in an environment where culturally they are able to feel safe and feel represented. Studies have shown that black kids do better when they have black teachers and black classmates and are learning about black people. That's not controversial at this point. Whether or not you want to accept that, Ain't got nothing to do with me. HBCUs have been having this conversation for a while now about whether or not black kids black students should be their primary focus and whether or not it's worth maintaining their cultural traditions in order to keep servicing the black community or open their doors and just accept that the culture of the campus is going to change as more diverse audiences come onto the campuses and a lot of the hbcus are making the decision to throw away their black heritage and to just be a HB or be a college or a university that caters to everybody. HBCUs have always catered to everybody, but they at their creation had a specific focus towards educating black people. That specific focus is what they are talking about doing away with. And a number of them are actively now going after Hispanic and Latino communities. So that opens the door for questions surrounding how do we talk about HBCUs in the black community? And these questions need to be had before we get excited about any increase in funding for these organizations. These resources should be going towards acquiring and providing services to black students. Since they're going after more non-black students, these resources would be going towards acquiring and educating non-black students, which would kind of defeat the purpose as laid out in this plan. So there is a question here. Are HBCUs doing what the community needs? Is the community properly utilizing its HBCUs? What is the relationship the HBCUs have to, with the community? Do we feel upset by them making the decision they're making, the decisions that they're making to go after other groups? These are conversations we need to have and they need to be had soon. But that's another show. It's a show that we might get into. 
Um, as a whole, I give this point a C like I give the rest. All of these points have the potential to be significant for the black community, but none of them as laid out in this plan are structured enough, are structured in such a way that would lead me to believe that the black community's best interests are actually at hand here. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. That's kind of how things are going to go here. But I want to know what you think. I want to know your opinion. Do you think I got some things right? You think I got some things wrong? How do you feel? How do you feel in particular about HBCUs? Are they doing what's right by the community? Are they justified in going after other communities? Does the black community need to do more to support HBCUs? Let me know how you feel. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Lessons from the Screen. Lessons from the Screen. screen. screen.